Hey everyone, I just wanted to let you know that we now have a Patreon. That's page. right, we have a Patreon. So, you know, what Patreon is, is uh, it's a way that you can give back to your favorite creators. Uh, I hope one of your favorite creators is us, the Two Top Podcast. And by going on there, we have a great we have great tiers of rewards of pledging a different amount. I'm talking signed notes, merchandise, even your own topic, getting on the show. You guys should definitely go check it out over at Patreon. Go to uh, the Two Top Podcast, and we'd love your support. We'll also be posting videos there a bit early as a little like incentive to go check it out. Is that it? I think that's... Yeah, I think that's good. I think I covered it all. Anyway, let's dive into this episode of Two Top. There we go. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Welcome back. Ugh, we need notes. Yes. Matt, this is, it's a cozy space, but hopefully with all this going on, you can't really tell. Yeah. But. You can't um, tell how hot it is in here. Stop complaining. It's not that bad. <laughs> no, it's been a lot worse. I think, it's been worse. I think I it's because. How, right? See, we do the early mornings now, and when it's early in the morning, it's not that hot because we're like the first people in here. We make this room hot. It's all on us. <laughs> Is it hot in here? Is it just us, Thomas? Oof. Well, Matt, let's just cut right to the cheddar. What we're here for. Cut the cheese. We're here for some topics. And two the top, of them? Two t- of them. Okay. Two topics. We're starting with one. We're starting with number one. Number Ooh. one is the fantastic Swedes. Swedes. The Swedish. The Swedish. We are talking about Ikea. Ikea. One of my favorite stores. See, I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. See, IKEA, though, the more I've learned about it, the more fantastic that this company has become. So let me just give you a quick like synopsis, and then we'll dive into a li- dive into it a little deeper. So IKEA is obviously it's Swedish, and its founder is um, Ingar Ing Ingrev. Uh, a very Swedish name, Ingar. It's Ingar Kemprevde. Kemprevde. Yeah, but it was started in 1943. When he was Whoa. 17 years old. Wow. As I'm guessing just as a small-scale furniture manufacturer, right? So Not even. They only started selling furniture five years later. It was actually a, um, a, like a mail-order sales business similar to oh. Sears back in the day. Yeah, the catalog. So while catalog. Sears kind of went all out on their stuff, uh, IKEA in Sweden was doing their thing. Now, what's funny is where do you think the word IKEA comes from? I'm Googling it right now because I'm so curious. Well, I'll stop you right there because I have the answer for you. It's actually the initials of the guy, I.K. Yeah. The farm where he grew up, which is Elm Elm Tard, which is E. And then his hometown, Eganard, which is I.K.E.A. Ikea. Wow. So it's an acronym. It's an acronym for. It's not a name. It's but not it's a, a very it's a very vague acronym. Yeah. Oh, he um, also was in 2015 one of the ten richest people in the world. The in, founder, in what year? Uh, 2015. So okay. So his his business is obviously successful as we can all see. Yes, but sadly he died last. He actually died in January of this year. Wow. Okay. So this is kind of a tribute episode. Episode. A little bit. I Ingar. R.I.P. to uh, Ingard over there. But so uh, one more thing before we start diving into the history and the wild mystical aspects of Ikea. 
um, they're actually the no, they make up about one percent of all wood consumption in the world. One percent is huge when you're looking at the scope of the world, right? Yeah, that's for one entity sourcing all that wood. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. That's a lot of wood. <laughs> so IKEA started in uh, it started in Sweden and then it went to Norway, Denmark, you know, hanging out in the Scandinavias. And over time it went to Sweden and then West Germany and then Japan, Australia, Hong Kong, Singapore, and then it finally hit the US in nineteen eighty five. So IKEA is huge. It's been around since the forties. It's the it's the McDonald's of the yeah, furniture. But, but I don't think they they compromise quality when it comes to quantity, even though they're a mass production furniture manufacturer and other home goods. They, their quality is pretty high. I know a lot of people, I've heard people say they don't like Ikea, and then I've heard people say they love Ikea. I'm with the latter. I love Ikea. Ikea is a, is a great store. Now, what's wild is Ikea is also a smart store. So in school, we're, I'm personally learning about the modernist movement in my classes, and this is around that time. So a lot of the design, you can tell, is has that modernist feel. Mm-hmm. And also, Ikea put a lot of thought into how they organize their stores. Oh, yeah, the layout's incredible. Do you know the IKEA layout? It's called a one-way layout, which leads customers in a clockwise motion around IKEA's long natural way, where it's encouraged that customers look at the entire store instead of retailed aisles. Yeah, it's I I really like it. I mean, it wouldn't be as effective if I didn't like all their products, but because their products are really appealing and, and nice, tasteful designs, it's nice to see everything. It gives you ideas, which is their idea, right? Yes. So what else they do is they also um, they also have their showroom, and then after the showroom is then when you get the actual packages. And that's brilliant also. It's mapped out. And, you know, I went to an employee there, and they – put in the system all the things I wanted and it gave me a list in order of the aisles and it picked the fastest route for the aisles. See, they're all about efficiency. Yeah, it's brilliant. Now, for their stuff that they don't like flat pack and kind of sell loose, they use this technique called bula bula. Bula bula? Which is when a bunch of items are purposely jumbled in bins to create the impression of volume, therefore inexpensiveness. Yeah, you know what? I can see that. Now that I think about that, they do have boxes out in the middle of the floor that have a ton of stuff. It looks like a ton of stuff, like you said. It yeah. gives the illusion. And I feel like it's like, oh, there's this many things for only three ninety nine a piece. But yeah, when you add all that up, that's a lot of money. So Bula Bula. It got me. <laughs> you have so what we've gone over their floor plan, we've gone over their warehouse, but now they're more than just that. They also sometimes have restaurants and markets. Within their store, yeah, Swedish meatballs. Gotta Swedish love it. meatballs. We'll talk about them Swedish in a little. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Of controversy that was involved, but oh, I horse. Ca- <laughs> yeah, carry on. It's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of a little horse meat in the uh, meatballs, but we'll get to that. Anyway, so there was a time, and there still is that there was a Swedish market. Now IKEA sells all their own products: the meatballs, the Lindenberg uh, sauce. So. But Ikea's are, Ikea's are all over the world. Yeah. So in different countries, they sell different things. In Israel, they have kosher restaurants and falafel and non-dairy ice cream. 
Wow. <laughs> I wish they had non-dairy ice cream here. United Kingdoms cool. has corn hot dogs. It's it's wild. Dogs. Yeah, you know, it's like the equivalent of going to McDonald's in like Japan. They have some pretty crazy things on the menu for us. For so, them, it's normal. So for have us, you been crazy. going to Ikea since you were a little child? Yeah, uh, we have furniture that's been in our house from Ikea all the way since I was born, and it's still going. So do you know the small land? The kid play oh, yeah, area. Ki- did yeah, you yeah, ever yeah. sit in the kid play area? Absolutely, I'm sure I did. Yeah. So it's named Kinderland. It's named uh, Smool Smooland, which is small lands, <laughs> which is actually where uh, Campard is born. So I think that's wild. A furniture store that has a daycare for the kids. Like yeah. that's pretty much what it is. Yeah. So what a business model. IKEA IKEA has been known for their large warehouses and stuff and they've tried to do some smaller stores but it just it doesn't work. It doesn't fit the IKEA feel. Now, IKEA is known for its furniture. Its most iconic is the Billy bookcase and the Kaplan sofa. I think if you were to see them, you'd recognize them. Uh let me let me I recognize the names. The Kaplan sofa? Yep. Same. Yeah, you've seen that Everywhere. before. Yeah. What's the bookcase look like? The bookcase Billy, is... I can, this guy. Okay, yeah. You recognize that wood, though, that's involved. Yeah, the wood is, um, you know, it's, pre- it's pressure composite material. Not quite. It's uh, no? MDF. MDF, okay. Tell me. Which is uh, medium-density fiberboard. So it is fiberboard, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's pretty quality. I actually have a IKEA desk, an IKEA desk that's that's hard, solid wood. And it was expensive, but it's a good desk and it's solid wood. So wow, everything's in store and they go for a sustainable approach. And there's a reason everything is build your own in a sense. It's supposed to make it more compact, be able to hold more merchandise. And then they're not shipping you air and you're not paying for the shipping. Oh, yeah. All the packages when you pick them up are pretty dense. Everything's there. Not but, a lot of wasted space, right? Now I'd like to talk about the most important part of an IKEA furniture, the names. Yeah, yeah, okay, names, that's part of the appeal, too. I love it. The names are authentic. not random, I found out. No, they mean, like, they, they're, like, literal meanings, right? Aren't they? But, like, even deeper. So, let me give you an example. <laughs> even deeper. All beds, wardrobes, and hall furniture are named after Norwegian places. Dining tables and chairs are named after Finnish places. Bookcases are occupations. Bathroom articles are Scandinavian lakes, rivers, or bays. Chairs and desks are men's name, and fabric and curtains are women's names. Garden furniture is Swedish islands. Lighting is used in terms of music, chemistry, meteorology, measures, weights, seasons, months, days, boats, in nautical terms. Bed linens, covers, and pillows are used are named flowers, plants, and precious stones. Kitchen utensils, foreign words, spices, herbs, fish, mushrooms, fruit, berries, and boxes and other wall decorations are colloquial expressions as well as Swedish place names. Wow. Now, the reason this was all done is because Campard was dyslexic and he found it easier to name the things after something else than creating a bunch of numbers or custom words for them. Yeah, it, stuff that he can just be like, oh, that's uh, I know that town in, in Scandinavia and that's, okay, obviously a bookshelf or something. That's crazy. I didn't know it was like that. I didn't know there were like men's and women's names. That's crazy. So the problem is when you have Swedish names in other cultures, some things uh, don't translate very well. Like, What do you mean? The translation 
like language or just like the meaning in culture culturally or what? Like the jerker computer desk, uh, the <laughs> fuckta plant spray, the fartful workbench, or the lickum uh, kitchen legs. Lickum. Um, yeah, there's some there's some weird ones. Wow. The latest addition uh, to that was for the outdoor suite. There was um, the, the ask Holman. <laughs> so excuse me, come again. It's close. So Matt, the reason I think you'll you'd appreciate going back to IKEA in these days is they're getting into smart home furniture. You know, I've seen a lot of the uh, Qi charging pads, and now they're also going into light bulbs as well. Uh, smart bulbs. Yep. And they're working Blu- with Bluetooth he- enabled or just like smart energy consumption. Uh, Bluetooth enabled, and they're starting to work with Hue as well. Philips. Yeah. Ah, that's cool. That's so, really cool. I want to just wrap us up here, and I want to talk about some some wild things about ikea let's go to the controversies um so ikea people have died in ikeas in 2004 there was a a limited amount of free vouchers for a new store opening in saudi arabia three people were trampled to death um in 2007 they dug up ancient tombs while building a new ikea and um They, uh, they got involved with the Spanish Mafia in Spain. The Spanish Mafia. They put horse meatballs. Was that ice. true? Yeah, it was true. They had to pull 17,000 portions of Swedish meatballs because it contained beef and pork and traces of horse meat, but only in the Czech Republic. Oh, only in the Czech Republic. I wonder how that happened. That was a shady meat dealer, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, people have died. Children have died from those drawers that like they open and then there's been kids deaths of it opening and it falling yeah so, i know i remember a couple years back they they implemented the secure your furniture kind of um push and they sell all the, the lock the latches you know yeah so now it's a little different and just to finish it all up uh ikea has 400 stores in the world and it's most of its ikea stores are in germany and the united states and you know it's huge. It's a huge company. It's a huge company, and I personally, I'm a big IKEA guy. I'm a huge IKEA guy. My whole furniture set here and at home, home at my family home, IKEA, love it. It's a lot easier to move a flat cardboard box than already made furniture into a place. Yeah, I was actually talking to one of my professors the other day, and he said one of the best advice he ever got was to buy an expensive furniture set if you're moving over and over again. But I've moved with all my IKEA stuff, and it's stayed intact. It's not it's not necessarily cheap stuff. It's cheaper than, like, high-quality luxury furniture. But just checking the settings because I, I put it on the wrong thing. What? The instrument in line. No, I think so. instrument. It. Cool. Always can count on you, Thomas. Thomas, do you wear glasses? No, I do not wear glasses. I don't wear glasses either. So this is, this is going to be new, new news for both of us. Contact lenses. Oof. Really, really a weird thing, right? Putting... A lens on you directly on your eye. They bug me out so much. I oh really? I, okay. I, I um whenever someone like takes them out or puts them in, I you're like ooh, it's kind like, of skeeves you. It is it's skeevy? Yeah, it goes right on your your body, a sensitive part of your body. It's crazy. So it's a thin plastic. Well, now it's plastic. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a history. It's a pl- thin plastic lens placed directly on the surface of the eye to correct visual defects. So there's a couple reasons you could wear them. Um, they're considered medical devices and can be, can be worn to correct vision or for even cosmetic or therapeutic reasons. Have you ever seen the contacts that are colored? Yeah. Movie effects. 
that's a big part of it. In 2004, it's estimated that 125 million people worldwide used, used contact lenses, including 20 to 38 million in the United States. In 2010, the worldwide market for contact lenses was estimated at $6.1 billion, while the U.S. soft lens market was estimated at $2.1 billion. So contact lenses have been around for a bit, and they're huge. People can't live without them, you know? There's so many people who need glasses, but they're hidden behind these contact lenses, so they don't have to wear their glasses every day. So the size of the contact lens market is likely to grow due to the increasing occurrence of eye-related conditions. So I want to give you three of the, the main eye-related conditions. Here we have astigmatism, which is a type of refractive error in which the eye does not focus light evenly on the retina. That's a pretty common one. So that's like not a circle eye. It's, it's not a circle eye. The result is a distorted or blurred vision at all distances, near sight, far sight. Then we have hyperopia or farsightedness, also known as the hyperopia. It's a condition of the eye in which light is focused behind instead of on the retina. So it's a little farther back. The result is um, the result in close objects appearing blurry while far objects may appear normal. And myop myopia, 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 nearsightedness, also known as shortsightedness, is a condition of the eye where light focuses in front of rather than behind um, or on the retina, and that gives um, distance objects to be blurry. So there's your three main years: farsighted, nearsighted, and then just all around. You can't see. So you have everything sucks, things yeah. nearby suck, and things far away suck. Yeah, and it's a shame that we can't relate because neither of us wear glasses, so we don't know. I yeah. mean, it, we're, we're very fortunate that we have good vision. Right? You have good vision, right? Twenty twenty. Yes. Same, you know, knock on, knock on wood here. I don't have any wood over I'm here. I'm pretty sure that's MDF. There's, some, there's traces of wood in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Ikea. So I want to give you a little bit of history for the contact lenses because there's a lot of history. Looking around on the web, there's so much that went into developing lenses. And still today, there are so many companies. I mean, there's uh, there's only six main ones in the United States and, and globally because they manufacture for the, the whole entire world. But the technology is ever developing. It's all about comfort. People still, do you hear people complaining about, ah, oh, my contacts are bothering me. I got to take them out and stuff still. Yeah. Always. Don't you think we're we're like in the future? We're living in the future. Don't you think that would go away? People would be comfortable wearing contacts? I mean, you'd hope at some point, but I feel like contacts are such a odd beast. It goes right on your eye. You know, it's a lens. It has to be substantial to some point to show, you know, correct vision to have your prescription. Right. So history, we're looking all the way back at the year 1508 with Leonardo da Vinci. Um, he's frequently credited with introducing the ideas um, of, of lenses for your eye in the Codex of the Eye Manual D. Um, within that, he described a method of directly altering corneal power by either submerging the head in a bowl of water or wearing a water-filled glass hemisphere over the eye. Weird, right? Here's a picture. <laughs> okay, that makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> that's, the, that's the first contact lens, just sticking your head in kind of a bowl of water. He thought of it. He was like, well, it's going to alter your vision somehow. It's going to do something to you. And that kind of translates to what the modern lens is. So moving on, we have, I'm, I'm sorry, Descartes? Descartes, yeah. Descartes, okay. Proposed another idea in 1636, a glass tube protruding from the eye with liquid placed inside with contact to the cornea. So literally like a telescope for your eye. 
Well, you know, early lenses. Early lenses. They're right? always thinking of the crazy new stuff, aren't they? And they would shape it to correct the vision to your prescription, but they didn't understand the idea of magnification. So in 1801, Thomas Young made a, fair, uh, made a pair of basic contact lenses based on Descartes' model, and he used wax to affix water-filled lenses to his eyes, which neutralized Whoa. his refractive power. He then corrected it for uh, with another pair of lenses. So it was kind of uh, a close lens with the wax, and then he had another lens on top of it. So it kind of was like a double lens in a way. wasn't quite a contact. Then you're looking at Sir John Herschel in 1845 in the Encyclopedia Metropolitana, posed two ideas for the visual correction. The first, a spherical capsule of glass filled with an animal jelly. You know, right? the people back then, they, they really thought of it all. And they would mold the cornea. They would take a mold of the eyeball. And they, they did a lot of tests on, on animals back then to see it. They wouldn't hurt the animals, but I don't think a human would want to be grabbed and their eye rubbed up. I don't think know? everybody's having a good time. No. In 1888, German ophthalmologist Adolf Gaston Eugene Fick constructed and fitted the first successful pair of contact lenses. He was working in Germany. He described fabricating afocal serical contact shells which rested on the less sensitive rim of tissue around the cornea and experimentally fitting them initially on rabbits then on himself and lastly on a small group of volunteers. So they were made of heavy blown glass. They would literally blow the glass into tiny little discs and polish them and stick them on the eye. Now, keep in mind, the first contact lenses weren't just fitting on your, on your, on the, the pupil of your eye. It would go around the whole cornea, the whole entire part of your eye. Could that's, you imagine? That's pretty uncomfortable, right? To blink, you would feel it. Your, your eyelid would be over top of something. Pretty weird, right? Uh, they would be 18 to 21 millimeters thick. <laughs> No, 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 no. Scheming you out. So blown glass sericle lenses, um, I'm sorry, scleral lenses remain the only form of contact lenses until the 1930s when um, perspex and plexiglass was invented. So here we're looking at different materials. So this is material manufacturing being evolved into more modern uses and, and techniques of manufacturing these, these specific lens materials. In 1936, optometrists William Feinblum introduced plastic lenses, making them lighter and more convenient. These lenses were a combination of glass and plastic, so they weren't fully plastic. Nowadays, we have fully plastic. That was introduced in 1939. And in 1940, we um, perfected that design. And through the 40s into the 50s, the first corneal lenses were developed. And these were much smaller than the original scleral lenses. And they sat on the cornea rather than across the visible ocular surface. They could be worn up to like 16 hours per day. Now, when they when lenses advertise for duration of how long you can wear them, they go on hours based on, on comfort. They take yeah. su test subjects and survey them. But also there's some really bad... Um, side effects of wearing lenses too long. You can get medical conditions. You can get foreign contaminants in the eye and bacteria. And that's kind of pioneering the path for future material manufacturing for contact lenses. They want to reduce the amount of bacteria infections and they want to increase the longevity of it sitting on your eye without it irritating it. If you go online and look up pictures, you get tons of pictures of eyeballs, which is just kind of weird. Yeah, I can imagine. And there, there's some nasty pictures of what happens when you wear contact lenses too long. It's, it's not good. It's really bad for your eye. See, the reason I have a fear of contact lenses, have you ever watched Billy and Mandy? No. 
on like Cartoon Network. It was like an oh, old Oh, yeah, 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 way back. Okay, yeah. I thought well, you were talking about well, like, a episode, modern TV show. There's an episode that um, I think Billy gets bad vision and he has to go to the doctor and the guy's trying to show how to put contact lenses in and he keeps on like missing his eye and it's like a really traumatic experience. And then, like, he finally, like, gets it on, but his eyes just all swollen and big. I know exactly what you're talking about. I've seen that. Yeah. I've definitely seen that. Ugh. Ugh. Okay. Fun fact. Well, actually, can you... Trivia. Who was the first president to wear contact lenses? JFK. No. Guess again. One more guess. Truman. Lyndon B. Johnson. Oh. Cool. So the it, one I always forget. In 1964, in a television studio... He appeared to be wearing them in public for the first time. First president to wear them. Um, one major disadvantage of PMMA corneal lenses, which is the the modern polymethyl methacrylate corneal lenses. They never um, make it easy, do they? They don't allow oxygen to pass through to the conjunctiva and the cornea, causing a number of adverse and potentially serious clinical effects. So this is... This led us into finding oxygen permeable materials so oxygen can go through the lens and touch the eye. That's so weird. I never thought you had to aerate your eye. Yeah. So the 80s and 90s was when all these materials came out. And then we saw a bunch of these companies come up. And there's a big one in Mexico. You've heard of companies like AccuView Oasis, which is by Johnson & Johnson. And there's different methods for, for manufacturing these lenses. And there's no best method because they're still kind of exper experimenting with all of them for mass production. There's spin cast lenses. It's a soft lens manufactured by whirling liquid silicone in a revolving mold at high speed. So they have like regular molds and they'll put the material and spin it really fast. That was a video. I posted it on our Instagram. Did you see that video of the thing spinning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was early spin cast. Um, diamond turning. It's cut and polished on a CNC lathe and it starts, it has a diamond tip to polish it. Obviously, you know, fine. We have molded lenses, which is like kind of an inject mold molds because we have plastic and, and silicon composite materials that can easily be injected, mold injected. Um, so obviously there's still lots of research going into these lenses. Um, contact lenses, here's an interesting fact. They actually put a handling tint on the lens so you can see it. So it's not perfectly clear in your eye. So it's slightly like a bluish tint or something? Yeah, it slightly has a tint so you can see it. Because, you know, have you ever seen lenses in, like, water? They kind of disappear. They're so right. clear. They're so precision, so precise that you can't tell where they are. So they put a tint in them on purpose so you can find them with your eye, which is pretty crazy, right? It is. It's also crazy that um, now you can get a lot of disposable lenses, like one, 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 one day lenses, yeah. Which means that they're getting to the point that you can just toss it when you're done. Exactly. And that's that's this idea of the um, the PMMA lenses, this composite material plastics. They can just make them for daily use rather than having expensive glass plastic or strictly glass lenses. So my last point um, leads us into the future, bionic contact lenses. When I say that, what do you think of? Uh, Futuristic. Google, Google Glass for your eyes, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, anyway, the goal for these lenses in the future is to put little pixelated screens within them to alter, augment reality. Um, they could even have infrared light, lights to create a virtual display. Um, and I wanted to cover eye prescription numbers and magnification, but I got into it last night. And that's that's a whole beast of its own. Well, like 2020, 15, Yeah, 20. what all those numbers mean. There are so, And there are a lot of Latin phrases up top. 
optology ophthalmology is is a crazy thing there's a reason you know you go to a high school to learn it there's eye doctors out there all these numbers are pretty crazy basically when you see like oh plus three minus three it's the magnification of your eye and when it needs to be corrected if you have a plus three you need a minus three to bring it back to center you know and there's different measurements on the eye that's a whole beast of its own. Yeah, it's that, crazy. That could be a whole podcast. That could be a whole podcast. A lot of Latin terms we that are still used. We can look at the whole chart. There's a name for the chart too. Yeah. And there's a light refractor. That's the classic machine that you see in the the eye doctor office with all the different lenses. It refracts light to focus it and see where your weaknesses are and, and where the magnification sits. We'll have to get someone who do, can't see very well to come and do that one. Yeah, both of us are. I guess not. Anyway, contact lenses. Interesting, right? A lot of history. Leonardo da Vinci? Da, Vi- da Vinci? You know what? I'm not surprised <laughs> it started with that now. <laughs> But I'm glad I don't wear contact lenses. Good. Very fortunate. We're yeah. good. All right. Well, another episode of Two Top has come to an end. Ikea and... Uh, does ikea sell contact lenses they might they might one day who knows the minute they get into the pharmaceuticals that will be they definitely sell a little case for contacts like a little contact protector thing they definitely it's called something like contact with with like a k or something probably that's just the ikea way but hey that was this episode of two top and we'll see you guys next time for another episode of two top yeah you got it see ya This was Two Top, the independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.